something. But anyway, so, so anyway, we're, we're blessed that you're here. If you want to come back uh, tomorrow morning at 10, we'll have our regular service and we'll have child care and everything. And we have great child care if you want to bring your kids. Um, Carly's mostly going to minister tonight. Ashley will minister mostly in the morning. And so it'll be really good. But anyway, we're just excited to have each and every one of you. We're excited to have Ashley and Carly Teredes. These are, hallelujah. These are some of the best ministers on the planet, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, they love Jesus, and they love the Word, and, and, and they love people, and they're humble, and, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And so, anyway, uh, how many of you are excited to receive? So I'm going to be quiet, and they're going to come up here and, and talk to you. So I don't know how you want to. Hey, it's good to have you. Thanks, Max. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise God. This is Caris Kingdom Church. I want to want to thank Pastor Max and all the team for for putting this on tonight on a Saturday night. This is a first time on a Saturday night, is it? First Saturday night. Praise God. So let's give him a big hand. Thank you, team. Thank you, Caris Kingdom Church. As Pastor Max said, come back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. We'll have a great service. Praise God. It'll be good, and um, we appreciate them. They've been here two and a half years. Coming up for three years. Praise God. And God is doing awesome things. So if you're looking for a good church. I tell people, church alive is worth the drive. So um, come on out, praise God. It'll be, you'll be blessed. Amen. How many of you, this is your first... I know you're not meant to do this, right? You're not meant to have hands shown and all that. But anyway, we'll do it. So, Because <laughs> you, you might get something free if you do it. So how many of you have come from... This is your very first time ever at Caris Kingdom Church. Let's see, praise God. A lot of you. Praise God. That's awesome. How many you... Amen. Give a hand. Amen. Praise God. Welcome. How many of you, this is... Uh, how many of you drove more than half an hour to be here? You drove more than half an hour. Wow, look at that. More than an hour. Wow, more than two hours, more than two and a half hours. What, you just slow drivers or what? What's going on? <laughs> three hours, three hours, three and a half hours. Praise God, that's awesome. So, um, amen. We've got a family of people here and friends from um, Bentonville, is that right? Arkansas. So, Catalyst Church, if you're in that area, that's a good church down there. Pastor Neil Sweeney down there, praise God. So, anyway, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. We're going to have a fun night. This is going to be an unplugged night. Is that okay? So we're going we're gonna to let the Holy Ghost do his thing, and we're going we're gonna to see miracles and healings, praise God. And um, we do this around the world, and we see the same results. Jesus shows up, and he sets people free, praise God. And uh, we, love, we love to do that. I need to tell you about a few things. I'm like the announcer to tell you a few things, praise God, before we get going here, before Kylie comes up and ministers, because otherwise Kylie will forget. She'll get up and minister, and she'll forget all this. So I have to, I have to be like the warm-up act, praise God. But we have some things. We have a table out there. We brought our team with us. So there's a table out there. If you want to, I'd encourage you to get some resources. You know, you're going to hear from Carly tonight. You'll hear from me mainly in the morning. But really, that's just a, a, you know, an hour and a half or so total of word. I really encourage you to get more word. And um, we have a lot of products out there. We left all the bad stuff at home, so we only brought our best stuff with us. Okay, so we have, this is our course called Healed and Whole. And uh, we love to teach on healing and about on miracles and about how to receive your healing. And this isn't just talking about physical healing. This is talking about heart healing, healing from addictions and things like that. This will really bless you. This is uh, 15 lessons, I believe. 15 lessons, video and audio. There's a little USB in here. You can plug it in your car if you have a modern car and listen to us. Or you can put it in the back of your modern TV and watch us. Or you can put us in the computer and do either one. So there you go, 15 lessons, praise God. I've heard people that listen to our voice to get asleep. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But how many of you know, healed and whole. So how many of you need a heart healing? You need a, you need a heart healing, some sort of healing, praise God. Who wants to be a, be a runner here? Pastor Max? There we go. Thank you, Pastor Max. I appreciate it. Give that away to someone. This is a brand new course. This is the first time this has ever been offered for sale. I don't even think this is on our website. This is brand spanking new. 
This is uh, the violent take it by force from, from Matthew 11, praise God. I love this. We talked a series on the violent take it by force. How many know we need to step up and take what the Lord's already provided for us? It's up to us to, to reach out by faith and, and take what grace has already provided for us. Jesus paid the price, his death, burial, and resurrection to give you everything you need to live a life of victory. In fact, um, it's, it says before this verse in Matthew, I believe it's 11, 11, it talks about um, that there's no greater than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, meaning that if you're born again today under the new covenant, you have more inside of you than all the Old Testament heroes had. You've got more inside of you than Abraham, than, than King David. Pick your New Testament hero, Old Testament hero. You as a New Testament believer have more than them. It's amazing, praise God. I'm telling you, it's, it's powerful. So this will show you how to take it by force. Take what the, de- the, the, the Lord has provided for you. Take back what the devil stole. Who needs to take back some things? Praise the Lord. This is Carly's book here called Miracles and Healings Made Easy. If you didn't know that our daughter was given about a week to live, Hannah Teredes, and that was um, 13 years, over 13 years ago now, praise God. And um, she was given about a week to live. Uh, we busted her out of hospital, got her to a meeting like this, received prayer, and she was instantly healed. And um, she came off all medication. She came off the machine she was on. And that was 13 years ago. The doctor said it was a miracle. They said, we, we've tried, but we can't find one thing wrong with you. You're 100% healed and whole, praise God. So this is one of the miracles we received. My wife was also healed of grand mal seizure epilepsy, which that's the type of epilepsy that they had to emergency land a plane once in, uh, in uh, Germany because she had such a bad seizure. She was on 11 different medications. Um, she couldn't look after the kids on her own. She didn't have a driver's license, couldn't drive a car. I tell people now she has a license. I'm not sure if she can drive a car. But anyway, so, so this is... This is she's, she'll get me back in a minute. She'll get the mic. But anyway, we've seen a lot of healings and miracles, praise God. And this is a practical book on how you can receive a healing or a miracle in your family's life, praise God. So who needs a miracle or a healing or knows someone that needs a healing or a miracle, praise God. And then the last thing I want to tell you about is this our confession card. And I may not give this away because it sticks so well on here. It's magnetic. Look, we've got a magnet. We've got a magnet version. Look at that. Come on. I just leave this on the podium. It's pretty cool. So this is, we have these out there, these confession cards. Um, you can grab the card one for free if you sign our mailing list. We have a mailing list out there. We want to keep in contact with you, let, us, let you know when we're next in town and where we're going to be. We won't spam you. We're too busy to spam you with emails. We might send you one email a week, and there's always a teaching and encouragement in there as well. So go ahead and sign that, and you can get one of these for free, praise God. And this is Kai's confession card. It tells you who you are in Christ. We look in the natural mirror to see what we look like in the flesh, right? See if our hair is okay and all that. We need to look in the Word of God to see who we are in the Spirit. You know, you are a spirit, and you, uh, you possess a soul, and you live in a body, but the real you is a spiritual you. And the only way you're going to find out who the real you is is when you look in the Word of God. And this is just scriptures about who you are in Christ. It says things like this, I'm a party waiting to happen, 1 Peter 1.8. Angels rejoice over me, and demons flee from me, James 4.7. God himself dances over me with singing, Zephaniah 3.17. I'm the bearer of good news. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm, a king. I'm the, I'm the uh, carrier of the king of glory. I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, I've only read like the first two lines. This will really bless you. This will show you who you are in Christ. Grab one of those, and I'm going to leave it there. Look at that, it sticks. I'm really fascinated by that. I've never had a metal podium before to do this with. It's so cool. Now, I'm just going to leave it like that. They won't mind. Isn't that cool? Who wants a magnet? Go on, I'll give it to someone. Shuffle right? No, I better not. We could pray for healing. Who wants a magnet? We could pray for healing after that. Praise the Lord. So, it's my great pleasure to introduce my favorite speaker. I call him my favorite speaker. I have to say that. I did say one of my favorite speakers, and I got in trouble <laughs> for saying that. She's my favorite speaker. She's the uh, co-founder of Teredes Ministries, and um, she's, uh, she cooks an awesome dinner. Praise God. 
Are you, she's you, my wife. She's, are you done? She's a, she um, helped establish healing. Healing is here, conference, praise God, and um, healing school. She's on adjunct faculty at Carriage Bible College, and she teaches all over the world. Literally, this year she's already been to Australia, Africa, Europe, Canada. You're just trying to make me, you're just trying to get around me after your you so you comment about Carys, my driving. Carriage Kingdom Church, welcome to my wife, Carly Terridge. Have fun. So if you were with us this morning, you'll notice that Ashley was making fun of my driving this morning as well. So I'm not quite sure. I think maybe he needs to be delivered from some anxiety in that area or something. Yeah, honey, there's healing for you. It's all good. You'd make, I mean, thank you. Thank you. No one believes you. But anyway, anyway, man, I'm excited to be here on a Saturday night. You guys must be crazy fanatics about Jesus to be here on a Saturday night, right? Amen. Who's a crazy fanatic for Jesus? Come on. Amen. Amen. Especially if you're going to drive from another state. Like, you are super committed, right? If there were badges to to give out, you would get one. Well, I was really praying about what to share um, this evening. And you know, God has good stuff for us. Amen. He has good for us. But sometimes it takes a while for our hearts to become persuaded of that fact. Right? He's, you know, um, uh, Pastor Max mentioned this, this scripture from uh, Hebrews. He says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. forever. You know, healing is not a new thing. It, it wasn't just a New Testament phenomenon, something that God just, you know, he had a thought about it one day. I thought, oh, yeah, people are dying. I should heal them, right? It wasn't a new thing. You know, we look in the New Testament, and this surprised me because the church that I grew up in, we didn't, we didn't realize that there was a New Testament. You know, there's a New Testament, it's better than the Old Testament. How many of you would rather drive a new car than an old car? Right? Why is that? Because new is better, right? (laughs) Seriously. But in the New Testament, I was confused. I was sick for many years. I had epilepsy, all different kinds of things. I was in a wheelchair when I was 18 years old with paralysis. I had um, endometriosis. I had juvenile arthritis. I had life-threatening allergies, chronic asthma, epilepsy. I kind of collected diseases. You don't want to collect diseases. It's not a good hobby, okay? And there's not much life in that. But, you know, one thing that really confused me when I looked in the New Testament was that I noticed that Jesus had a healing ministry, Shocker, right? Shocker. It was like he was addicted to healing or something. Everywhere he went, he was healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the sick, raising the dead, okay? Preaching the word, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out. That's, that's pretty much all he did. Everywhere he went, there was, some, there was a multitude, there were sick people, there was need all around him, and he was demonstrating the power of God in, with every conversation, every person that he met. And yet when I looked in the New Testament, as a, as a young believer in my church, because we just didn't see stuff. We didn't see miracles. We didn't see people healed. Part of the reason for that was that we didn't know it was an option. Right? If you don't know it's an option, if on the inside of you, you believe that the signs and wonders passed away with the apostles, or the God you relate to God rather than the God of the New Testament is only the God of the Old Testament, you're going to really struggle to receive from him. Your heart is going to become divided. And so like many people, I had a misunderstanding of who God was and what God had provided for me. You know, it's really difficult to receive healing from God if we believe that God has brought the sickness in the first place. Right? In the scriptures, it says that we are supposed to resist the enemy. 
Jesus went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the who? Devil. The devil. You see, sickness is always a fruit of the enemy. It's him that comes to oppress us with sickness. Does sickness oppress people today? Yeah, yeah it does. Right? And, and the thing is, there are people, um, many, many, and, and it's irrespective whether we're Christians and believers or unbelievers, people still get sick. Right. They're gonna, they've got sick in the past, they, got, they, get, they still get sick today, and at some point they'll probably get sick in the future. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. But yet when we see Jesus walking around, and this confused me no end, I thought, how is it, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, how is it that signs, wonders, and miracles Aren't, we aren't seeing them today. How is it that, that, that Jesus hasn't changed, that, that, that God hasn't changed, that healing was in the Old Testament and healing's in the New Testament, but healing's not in my church? Anyone ever, ever wondered that? Get a new church. <laughs> Seriously, okay? Or get some revelation in the scripture because God hasn't changed his mind. God hasn't changed his mind. So, but it, there comes a point where our heart needs to be persuaded about the goodness of God in order to receive from him. God is good. He is for you today. Amen. He has good things for you today. He's not holding back on you. Right? How many of you got saved by faith? Right? Amen. Did, was it hard? I mean, did you like have to really like lay an egg over your salvation? I mean... <laughs> Like, I don't know what it is about healing, but, but we seem to make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Way more complicated than it needs to be. You look at Jesus' healing ministry. He's walking around, and, you know, these people, they haven't been to Bible college, right? These people, they aren't even saved. Fancy that. Unbelievers are getting healed. I know. They haven't been to church one day in their life. They haven't even been to the synagogue, most of them. And then they, they, haven't, they haven't necessarily done any good things. God is, you know, Jesus is not asking for their resume. He's not asking whether they've paid their tithes, whether they've been to church, if they've, if they've performed all the holy sacraments. He's not asking for references on whether they're worthy or not to receive healing. He just lays hands on the sick. And because he's good, and because he's God, and because he's love, the power of God flows out of him and those people receive. That wasn't complicated, was it? Right? And just in the same way that we receive salvation, we receive it by faith, we receive healing the same way, by faith. You know, you can't earn your healing. Isn't that good news? You don't have to jump through hoops to receive something. You don't have to do a rain dance. You don't have to take a potion, right? You don't, you don't have to pay, to, to pay a certain amount. You don't have to even attend Sunday school. God wants you well because he's good. Because of what he's done, what Jesus has done, not because of what you've done. Amen? But somewhere in our hearts, sometimes we make this complicated. I want to look at someone tonight. This is, um, this is Abraham and Sarah. Okay, you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? Now, Abraham, he, didn't, he, he was kind of a mixed bag, okay? He made it into Hebrews 11, the, the Faith Hall of Fame. That's pretty good. How many of you would like to be in Hebrews 11? Come on now, right? You've arrived if you're in the Faith Hall of Fame. Let me tell you, though... He, you know, Abraham messed up a bunch. He messed up a bunch. He actually tried to pass his wife off as his sister in order to save his own behind, right? He didn't do everything perfectly, but yet he, has a, he was called a friend of God. Amen? God isn't looking for perfection, just somebody that will listen to him. Look at this. This is in, in Hebrews, um, this is in Romans, rather. Romans um, chapter 4. Now, we know the story of Abraham and Sarah 
they, they struggled with infertility, okay? But God spoke to Abraham when he was way old, and he said that he was going to be the father of many nations. It didn't look like it was going to happen, okay? But, but never, look, we're going to pick this up in verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes through faith, we mentioned faith, so that it might be by grace that the promise would be certain to all descendants, not only those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, you are a descendant of Abraham. That means everything that he had available to him, you have available to you. Every single thing, and more, actually, okay? Because you have Jesus. You didn't have, you didn't have Jesus, right? He, he, he had an Old Testament relationship with God. We've got far more today than he ever had. But never, nevertheless, the same promises that were available to Abraham are available to us. Look at this. I have made you a father of many nations before God, whom he believed, okay? And who raises the dead. Say, raises the dead. You know, I believe in a dead-raising kind of God. How many of you believe in a dead-raising kind of God? Does, does God still raise people from the dead today? Yes, he absolutely does. In fact, I was at Healing Is Here, um, the big conference we have in, in Colorado in August, and while we was preaching, a woman came, and this is, this is, this is pretty cool, but all of, this, all of that week, the Lord had been speaking to me, he'd been showing me my dreams, and I'd been visualizing me raising people from the dead. And you probably think I'm weird, but you know, it works for me, okay? But, but, but I'm, I'm visualizing the miracles of Jesus through my hands. Man, I'm meditating, I'm excited, and then on a Friday morning I wake up and I have a scripture in my heart, and it's, Acts, uh, it's from Acts 2, but it says that, the, that Jesus basically could not, be hold, that could not be held in the grave. It was not possible that the, the death could hold him. It wasn't possible. You see, the power that lived in Jesus was so big, was so much power that death itself couldn't keep him in the grave. Man, if Jesus lives in you today, what, what greater power do you need to overcome death? And if, you can, if you've got dead-raising power on the inside of you, doesn't that put sickness and disease into, into perspective? There's no disease worse than death, right? It's the ultimate terminal result of sickness and disease, and it's been defeated. If the very worst-case condition has been defeated, that means every other condition that ever preceded has also been defeated. Amen. So, man, when God gave me that scripture, I woke up on Friday morning, I was excited. You know, I wake up excited, yeah. right? It's good to wake up excited about the things of God. And so I, I went to the conference that day, and we were, we were preaching and stuff. And as we were preaching on the stage, there was a panel of us up there at the time. And we just, I'm just, I'm just speaking at this point, and I kind of had my back a little bit like this. I was, we were sitting in a semicircle. And from the, from the side, this woman ran down the aisle, and she was hysterical. And she ran with her baby, her probably a three-month-old baby boy, in her arms. And he was lifeless. He was just limp in her arms. And she came up to the steps and she laid him right by my feet. And she said, help me, my baby is not breathing. In the middle of a, of a conference full of 3,000 people. And you know, the thing that was really interesting in that moment was no one was phased by it. No one, even security didn't tackle this woman, which is a big miracle. In a conference like that, they're usually like ninjas, you know, take that woman down. Right? But I tell you, the peace of God was in that place. This comes from a, from a position of being persuaded. And we'll, we'll get more into this in a moment. But as the woman laid the baby on the stage, the peace of God surrounded that place. And I tell you, it seemed like no big deal. It was just like, no big deal. 
So I got off the stage and went down. And I stood next to the lady and I picked the baby up in my arms and we were all, all the instructors were all gathered around there. And I didn't realize at the time that all the family were behind me. The mom and the dad and, and then they had probably four other kids as well. This was the youngest child. And, 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 every, and you know, everyone in the room is watching. Everyone is like, what is going to happen with this child? But I can tell you, in that moment, with a piece of God was there, and even though the baby was blue, um, there was no pulse, there was no breathing, there, there was no life in the body, the child was limp, its arms were kind of um, limp out, out to the side, its, its eyes were rolled back in its head, its head was back, its tongue, his, his little tongue was kind of ha hanging out of his mouth. I mean, he, there was no life, there, there was no presence, there was, there was, no, there was no, nothing going on with this child. The child was cold. And, you know, as I picked that baby up, it was just like, this is no big deal. Remember, death has been defeated. Yeah. I don't have to work something up. I don't have to get people excited. We don't have to, like, get a vote, right? We don't have to call the prayer train. This is the most normal thing in the world. It's just like, oh, death, is, is that it? It's just death. It's just death. You know, when we have a God perspective on stuff and our heart is fully persuaded like Abraham's is, I'll show you in a minute, death, it doesn't have the same sting it used to have. There's no fear attached to it anymore. There was only one option in my mind as I picked that child up, and that was the baby's going to live. There's no other option. There's no other conceivable outcome than this baby is going to breathe. No, no, no other option. And as we picked the child up, you know, the... the I just felt prompted, you know, you could, one thing that re I really noticed was death has a smell. If you've worked around people or been around people, you can tell people at the end of their life they have, um, they have a smell about them. It's very distinctive, very distinctive. And I could smell the minute it hit me, the minute I stepped down the, the first step, that the smell of death was all over this child. And the Lord said to me, speak life and smack the death out of him. I'm like, I ain't going to do that too hard. He's a little guy, right? Just a little tap. But I tell you, the minute I slapped that child, breath started coming back into him and gasped back and his eyes came back in his body and he, he, he started breathing again. Warmth, colour and breathing, the pulse, everything came back. Life went back into that child. And you know, I watched the video. I watched the video for the first time the other day. I hadn't seen it before. It is the most unspectacular supernatural event I've ever witnessed. <laughs> it is so understated, right? A baby raised from the dead, and it seemed like the most normal thing, the most natural thing in the world. You see, sometimes we can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular, right? We can miss the supernatural because we're so wrapped up in looking for something that's spectacular. But God is doing miracles in our life every day, yeah. every single day, in ways that sometimes we don't even notice. They just, go, they just go by. The fact that the sun comes up every day is a miracle. Yes. Amen? Right? It comes up, it goes down, it's faithful. If you see the sun coming up or the sun going down, you know God's still on the throne. Right? Amen? He's still making the world spin. It's all good. It's all good. Right? He's faithful. He hasn't changed his mind about you. Right? But you know, what happened in that moment as that child came back into life and death left was the peace of God was so evident in that child. He looked up and then he just... Went to sleep. Like, yeah, come to sleep now. Just the most, the, the most peaceful thing in the world. I mean, I think I can actually hear it on the video. I said, to the mom, I think he's gone to sleep. 
<laughs> you know, my, my, uh, if it was us, we'd be, we would have been like hooping and hollering or something. He's like, eh, just go to sleep. And I hand, hand him back to his mother, and away, and away he goes. And we get up on the stage and start carrying teaching. You know, it wasn't until we went back in the green room afterwards, we are like, did God just raise a baby from the dead? I mean, everyone just kind of breezed past it like, there, yeah, there's a dead baby, and, and now he's alive. You know, it just kind of suddenly hits us. But you know how that happened? It wasn't a complicated process. It's just the process of coming from a heart that's fully persuaded, where the things of God are bigger than the, than the plans of the enemy, right? Let's carry on down here, okay? He says, he believed who raises the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Life did not exist in that child until we spoke it into being. We spoke it into being. Against all hope, he believed in hope that he might be the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. In verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body to be dead, because he was like 100 years old and Sarah was like getting up there, right? The deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Say, fully persuaded. That what God had promised him, he was also able to perform it. You see, there's something really powerful that happens in our heart when we become fully persuaded. You see, Abraham, he could have looked at his wife and he could have looked at himself and thought, you know what, Sarah, I know what God has said, but under the circumstances, I mean, let's look at the facts, honey. There's nothing much going on there, okay? Seriously, he's, he's 100 years old and Sarah's well up in her 90s. There is, there, it is physically impossible for, for people of that age, biologically speaking, bar an act of God, for them to have children, right? It's, it's, just not, it's just not what your body's designed, not what it's naturally capable of doing, okay? Now, there's a thing about faith that we need to act upon it, right? Faith has action associated with it. How do we know when our heart is fully persuaded? Because we're going to respond in faith. We're going to respond in faith. Let me tell you, there was only one immaculate conception, and it didn't start with Abraham and Sarah. Okay? He, when he was fully persuaded, he had to say, Sarah, let's go back to the tent tonight. Right? I mean, I'm not going to get graphic here, but there needed to be some action to the faith. Are we following here? Right? When we are fully persuaded, there are some corresponding actions. Come on, Sarah. Right? You're looking cute. Let's go back to the tent. Right? There, there were some corresponding actions in order for Isaac to come about. Amen? But what, what we miss sometimes is that there was 26 years between when God gave Abraham the promise that he was going to be the heir of many, the father of many nations and, and Isaac's birth. 26 long years. You know, in that time, if Abraham had to come to a place where he was fully persuaded... He had to come to a place where he was fully persuaded. God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham got impatient and ended up with an Ishmael. Do you remember that? We're still dealing with the effect of Ishmael today in the world. That's why there's not peace in the Middle East, okay? But I want to look at something here in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to, came to him, to Abraham, and said, this man will not be your heir, Ishmael, but a son that is from your own body will be your heir. You see, God gave Abraham this promise. He reminded him of this promise even after he'd made a mistake. He didn't follow God perfectly. 
He was a man that made many mistakes, that didn't follow God perfectly, but yet look at the promise. God always keeps his promises. Even if we are unfaithful, God is always faithful. Amen? Even if we don't follow him perfectly, he's still faithful. Look at this. This man will not, will, uh, this man will not be your heir, but a son that is from your own body will be your heir. Verse 5. He brought him outside. In some translations, it says he brought him outside of the tent. Okay? He brought him outside of the tent, and he said, Look up toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to them, So will your descendants be. So will your descendants be. Verse 6, And Abraham believed God, and it was accredited him to him for righteousness. Say, so Abraham believed God. That's the difference. He got a promise, and he put faith in it. He put trust and confidence in it. He was fully persuaded in it. And I love that. He says, he brought him outside of the tent. You know, they were nomadic in those days, so they traveled and they pitched their tent. Interestingly enough, and this is a different sermon, they built their altars, but they pitched their tents. I'll let you think about that one. But anyway, he, um, he says, he had to bring him outside the tent. Abraham, come on outside the tent. Come on outside the tent. Look up. Look up. Look at the heavens. Look at all of these stars. He gave him a visual. Feel the sand. Look, at, look down, Abraham. Look at the sand beneath your feet. You know, get it, wiggle your toes in there. Get that sand right in between your toes, right? In, in, in your sandals, in your flip-flops, okay? Every time he was to go outside of his tent and he looked up and he saw the stars. Every time he walked on the ground and he felt the sand between his toes, he was reminded of the promise of God. A physical reminder of the promises of God is still good. As many as the stars in the sky, as, ma- as many as the grains of sand that are, that are beneath your feet, so sure is my promise, is what God was saying to him. You're going to have that many descendants, Abraham. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. You know, the reason Abraham, I believe, was fully persuaded was he was constantly remembering the word that God had given him. How do we persuade our own heart? Our own heart? to the Word of God, we have to constantly remember what the Word of God is that has been given to us. In the face of challenge, constantly remember. Joshua puts it this way. Keep the Word of God before you day and night. Meditate in it. Meditate in it that you may do all that is in it, that your way may be made prosperous. You'll prosper in every good thing. Keep it before you day and night. Don't forget what the Word of God says. Don't forget what the promise of God is regarding healing. Keep it in front of your face. Meditate on it. Visualize it. Rehearse it over and over and over again. The reason that baby was raised from the dead, I've been rehearsing raising babies all week. It didn't start on Friday morning, right? It started with rehearsing and visualizing and seeing and dreaming and agreeing with the Word of God. Amen? This is a process. In order for for Abraham's heart to to last 26 long years, he had to have a heart that was persuaded. Otherwise, he would have quit. Otherwise, he would have given up, right? Otherwise, he would have found himself in condemnation and, and, and just given up. The interesting thing is, Abraham, you know, God had to bring Abraham outside of the tent to show him something. And you might think, well, you can't see the stars. There's not like a sunroof or anything, you know, in the, in the tent. But let me think. You know, the, the tent is a picture of confinement. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of confinement. It's a, it's, a, it's a physical place of restriction. It's a boundary, right? Some of us need to step beyond our preconceived ideas about God 
our past experience out of the boundaries of our previous experience and look up. Amen? Faith needs to come alive on the inside of us to a point where it gives us a new perspective. You know, sickness and disease, it'll make you, it'll change how you dream. Right? Because it's a, it's a fruit of the enemy. Okay? And the enemy kills, steals, and destroys. That's all he does. But Jesus, John 10.10, 10, he says he came to give life and life more abundantly. Right? But sickness and disease, because it is a fruit of the enemy, but by, by its very nature, it'll kill, it'll steal, and it'll destroy. It'll steal your hopes, it'll steal your dreams, it'll try and steal your future. It can't because it doesn't know your future. Mm-hmm. devil doesn't know your future. Right? He only knows your past. That's why he keeps rehashing it. That's why he's the recycler of old lies. Okay? He just recy- and, then, and you know, when he gets really cute, he starts to throw back to you for things that you did in the past. Remember the last time you believed for such and such? How did that work out for you? He'll start to, to try and crush your hopes and dreams. He's a, he's a dream killer is what he is. But Jesus, man, he, he comes, he gives, you know what, we're going to dream dreams. We're going we're gonna to have visions. We're going to see stuff. Right, we're going to see it in here. You know, Proverbs talks about it this way. It says, "Without," I think it's twenty nine eighteen or twenty eight nineteen. It says, "Without vision, the people perish. People perish for lack of vision. They don't perish because they don't have a doctor. See that? They perish for lack of vision. You know, the word vision it means mental sight, mental sight." Mental sight, the ability, revelation. People perish because they have no revelation. They have no revelation of what? They have no revelation of who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross for us today. Amen? Jesus is the name above every other name. He's more powerful. Because of Jesus, we have defeated the grave. Because of Jesus, we don't have to live with sickness and disease anymore. Because of Jesus, the power of Satan has been crushed and destroyed. Because of Jesus, we are free from sin. We are free from bondage. We are free from depression, from anxiety, from every curse of the law. We are free to live in the the liberty for which Christ paid for us to live. Many of us are living way below the standard that Jesus had for us way below what, he, what, his, what his death, burial, and resurrection paid for, way below. Because in our hearts, we aren't persuaded. We aren't persuaded. So how do we persuade our heart? I'm really glad you asked that question. Let's look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. How do we come to a point where our heart is persuaded? You know, Jesus gives us an absolute gem here that people often skip by. This is Mark, and it's mentioned in several of the Gospels, in Matthew 12 and Luke 11 as well. But we're going to read it in Mark's account. Mark, um, Mark 3, verse um, in, um, 24. Mark 3, 24, okay? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Look at, look at this. If a... Uh, House is divided against itself, it cannot stand. Verse 26, and if Satan rises up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Think about that for a moment. Jesus just gave us the key to overcoming the power of Satan in our mind. Right there, right there. 
Satan needs our agreement to accomplish anything. He needs our, our cooperation to accomplish anything. But the minute we start to... Look, he says here, if Satan rises up against himself and is divided, divided, the word divide here, it means to separate, to disunite. To disunite. If we fail to unite with his lies, they have no power. His power cannot stand. He needs our agreement. He needs our cooperation. The minute we start to doubt our doubts, his kingdom is divided and he cannot stand. You know, and so what symptoms do is they come against our body and they want our agreement. Pain on the inside is like an angry toddler. Hungry and tired. Works for husbands too, apparently. Okay? Right? Hangry. Hangry man. Hangry toddler. Okay? But the fact is, the enemy or, or symptoms or pain or sickness or disease, because it's a fruit of the enemy, it needs our agreement in order to prosper in our body. It needs our agreement. The minute we say, hang on a minute, I doubt you, pain. People say, well, it doesn't make any sense. The pain is real. Well, that's because we're affirming it, right? Now, faith doesn't deny that it's there, but it denies it to have power over us, right? So people say, well, how, do, how does this work in everyday life? You know, I have to take medication. I have to take tablets. Well, every time you pick up that, that, that pill pot or whatever it is or that, that syringe, say, your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. You have no, you have no negative influence in my body. Every time that, that thought of fear or, or that report of the doctor that comes back to you and says, you know, these, these symptoms are going to get worse and they're only just going to continue and this is going to degenerate and this is what you can expect in a few years' time and this is what the prognosis is, we just doubt those doubts, right? Simple as that. We don't agree with the doubts that are producing fear on the inside of us. We dis we we're not ignoring them. We're just saying, I doubt you. I, don't, I doubt you. I don't, I don't you don't have power over me. You see, God, and then we start getting the scripture out. You know, the, the scripture is like the, the, a weapon of our warfare. It's a weapon of our warfare. If you were there this morning, we read that in, in um, Ephesians 6, that we have, we have a whole armor of God, but there's a couple of really powerful things in that. One is the, is the, is the shield of, of faith, which, which squashes the fiery darts, the lies of the enemy, right? Faith is like the fire extinguisher. You need a, we've got a fire extinguisher of faith. If you need to put a fire out somewhere in your, in your um, life, in your finances, in your flesh, in your body, in your family, in your relationship, you've got a fire going on, something that shouldn't be going on, there's some trouble that shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening, we use faith against that to extinguish those flames. But we also have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. We have a weapon against it, and we have a fire extinguisher of faith to put it out. Amen? Two things that are, that are super important. So that's when we get the Word of God out. That's why the confession card's powerful, actually, because it's full of the Word of God. It's full of scriptures. Yes. How are you going to use the Word of God when the lies of the enemy come to you if you don't know the Word of God? Right? How are you going to rehearse the promises of God if you don't know what the promises of God are regarding healing or prosperity or anything else that you're believing for? We've got to get the word in us so that we know, you know, in Luke chapter 4, no, we're, not going to talk, we're not going to go there, but when Jesus was tempted or taken away and, 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 and the devil came to him after he, came, after he, he was fasting for 40 days, he came at him and three times he said, um, he, he tempted him with different things and each time Jesus responded to him with, it is written. It is written. Not like, I feel like, 
or my, my doctor said, or my mum taught me when I was growing up, or the pastor on Sunday uh, mentioned something, or my husband believed, okay? He said, it is written. How do, we re- how do we persuade our heart? We doubt our doubts and rebuke the lies with the word of God. It is written. It is written, amen? This is a, this is a powerful force to overcome the lies of the enemy. I want to look at something. Mark, if you're still in Mark, pop on over there to Mark chapter 5. This is the last passage we'll look at, and then we'll, then we'll get to, to praying for people. All right, this is the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood. You know, she had been um, sick for a long time, okay? She'd been sick. It says here in verse 25, she was um, a certain woman with a hemorrhage for 12 years. That's a long time, right? That's a long time to be sick for. And the problem is when people are sick for a long time, the sickness starts to get in their mind. Yeah. starts to get in their thinking. It starts to dictate how they plan their day, if they plan their day, what they can do, if they can work, if they can eat, if they can drive, right? It starts to plan your day for you. People that are sick stop planning for the future, okay? This woman, she had suffered much for many years and been under many physicians. She had spent all that she had but was not better but rather grew worse. When she heard, say heard, of Jesus, she came in the crowd. Say came. She heard she came, okay? She came in behind him and touched his garment. For she said, say said, yes. okay? So she heard, she came, she said, that if I may touch his garments, I shall be healed. And immediately her hemorrhage dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Say felt. felt. So she heard, she came, she said, she felt. If we want to persuade our heart, we hear, we come, we say, and then we feel. This is really important. You see, that woman, she, didn't, she wasn't even supposed to be there. She could have been stoned, such was the custom of the time. She was unclean. She was supposed to be living outside the enemy camp. She should have been stoned for being there, for pressing through the crowd. But because she had heard, she came. Because she had heard. You know, faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. The reason that Abraham had faith was because he heard what the Lord had said to him. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. And so she came. She didn't just hear, oh, Jesus is around. You know, she, she heard it on the church grapevine or something. I don't know. It wasn't, uh, you know. Maybe someone knocked on the door. Maybe she heard it from a neighbor. Maybe she was drawing water from the well or something at some point. And, and, and one of her sisters told her, you know, there's a man going around. His name's Jesus, and he's going around, and people are getting healed. Somehow she heard. She could have heard and stayed, right? She could have heard and done nothing. But the process of receiving here, she heard and she came. She responded to the word. In a moment, we're going to respond to the word. We're going to respond to the word because God, Jesus has already done the hard work. Amen. Amen. Remember, it wasn't difficult for us to receive salvation, was it? I mean, we didn't have to, you know, do anything difficult to receive salvation. It's not going to be difficult for us to receive healing. We hear in the word, but there needs to be a response a moving towards something, a positioning that says, you know what, I hear it, I believe it, I'm taking it, that's mine. You see, faith is not passive. When we are fully persuaded, we go, actually has a whole series on it, it's called the violent take it by force. Right? The passive don't get anything, but the violent take it by force. We're the violent, right? We're the violent in, in, in faith. 
We need to go and take back what the devil has stolen from us. The devil has been stealing from you. How dare he? He obviously doesn't realize who you are, right? Because if he realized who you were, he wouldn't be creeping in the back door of your temple of the Holy Spirit, making himself at home on the lazy boy and flicking the channel, channels to change on the remote, right? Some of us have been living with sickness and disease for so long, we think sick, we dream sick, we speak sick, we act sick, we respond sick. But then we want a different result, right? But you know what faith does? He says, how dare you, devil? How dare you? If somebody broke into your house, right, and, and, and started gathering up your flat screen TVs and your valuables and helping themselves to the, to the family jewels or whatever it is and, 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 and taking your cell phone and your, th- and, and your valuables and then, and then started rounding up your children and your wife, right, what would you do, men? What would you do? Would you, just let, would you just let the robber come on in, say, help yourself, well, the wife's over there, and, the, and you take the kids? <laughs> Actually, some of you might. I don't know. But anyway, that, that, you need to see Pastor Max. Okay, you've got bigger problems, right? <laughs> but no, you would fight back, wouldn't you? Right? If you're any kind of man, there'd be something inside of you that would fight back. You wouldn't just lay there and watch him come on in and actually help him pack the stuff up and, move, and, and load his car up on the driveway, would you? My goodness, that would be preposterous. You'd grab something, you'd grab a chair, you'd grab a stick, a golf club or, or a spoon or whatever, anything that 